Hi, everyone. This is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome back. This week I've got an episode that I recorded a while ago, so we didn't get to talk about the most recent NFL moves with Brandon Cooks and some other things. Um, but it was with Christopher Bean. I um, really enjoyed talking to him. We had an interesting conversation. Um, talked about some rookie prospects. Um that he hadn't really thought of before, but so it was interesting to see what he thought of them fresh, kind of. Um, and also just the nature of this uh, 2020 draft class and what it might tell us about the decisions we have to make in a rookie draft before we see landing spot. I uh, really hope you enjoyed it. I hope you've been able to check out the live stream uh, on Twitch or on YouTube of our 100th episode live event. Um, I haven't been able to cut it down enough into enough sections that our podcasting hosts will actually accept it as an episode yet. It's three hours long and you just can't upload a three hour long podcast apparently, or I can't, um, with our hosting service. So for now, it's only really available on YouTube and on Twitch. Um, but check it out. I think we had a great time. We talked about a lot of interesting things. Um, if there's anything you want me to cover before the NFL draft gets here, please hit me up at PA Howdy or at Dino Crossroads. Although I, I don't think I've ever signed into that account, so I've got no idea what's going over there. Um, so at PA Howdy is probably your best bet right now. Uh, hope you enjoy this conversation with Chris. Hope to hear from you soon as well. Hope you're happy, healthy, safe, and with really clean hands. And I will talk to you again next week. Uh, what do we disagree on, man? There's got to be something. I don't know, man. It's, uh, uh, shit, we'll actually, it'll be, we'll find something here. I was going to ask you, what are we going to talk about anyway? <laughs> I, I, I don't care. I'm just happy to talk to you. But yeah, <laughs> in terms of getting a podcast out of it, like I want to concentrate on something we try and find something we disagree with. Unless you've got like, a, like the question I've been asking everyone is what, who's your favorite rookie? We'll talk about them. So at least we'll probably get 20 minutes of content, you know? But oh, yeah. so if you have a favorite rookie, then we'll get it out there. But even rookie takes right now feel a little overdone. Doesn't it feel like, and especially where it's going to be prolonged, like this is a period where everyone just starts making shit up because they need to think more shit and the season isn't here yet. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I'm also hurting on my rookie stuff. Like I can look up anybody that uh, I need to talk about when I'm talking about them. But as far as full-blown rookie analysis, I still haven't finished switching to your database yet. So oh, I actually yeah. haven't run any comps. I'm, like, so far behind on that stuff right now. Yeah, um, I basically started and went, all right, I'm going to finish this later and then haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. but, uh, no, but it can be anything. It can be something from the NFL. I mean... I don't really want to talk about if the season doesn't happen. One, because it's depressing, and oh, two, because forget that. I think everyone's <laughs> everyone, everyone's going to know what we should have done after the fact and pretend like they knew now, but oh, they yeah. don't. Like you can come up with a million different, like sellable running backs under the age of twenty-four. Really, though, I mean, what if we come back and all those young running backs have skipped over the years where they could prove themselves? And now those two more classes behind them, willing, ready to push them out of the way, Daryl Henderson might never see the fucking field again. <laughs> it, oh, yeah. it, it might be, you know, Edna from next year's class that gets the job he would have had a run at for a year, you know? So, well, actually, like, I don't even there. think that makes sense. <laughs> that's a good one there, because I really just don't even see. I, don't, I really still don't understand why Daryl Henderson's going to be the guy. Yeah, I don't think he is anyway, but at least he'll get value bumps and he'll have more of a shot at it. And, and you know, maybe if the season was cancelled, he still would. But I think his ch his chances of it, well, it's like they, well, you know, you went to college and they always they always pointed out to me like 
next year there'll be another class of students fresh out of school. So, like, don't wait. <laughs> because the longer you wait to apply for jobs or, 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 you know, move forward in whatever you want to move forward in, the more people there are behind you who have just graduated, they're younger, they're more impressionable. And despite the fact everyone wants experience these days on a resume, they also like not being able to pay you as much. And the older you get, the more you can want to be paid, you know? <laughs> so, like, you're always being chased out. And, I'm, and so I was trying to apply that logic to running uh, to NFL players. And it's not necessarily positive for the young guys. Like, everyone, I think everyone goes to sell the old guys. But I'm like, yeah, but Julio, even if he's diminished, we don't know if he is in two years. Yeah, I don't think he would be. But even if he was, he's still fucking Julio. His job's safe. <laughs> Whereas yeah. Daryl Henderson, even Cor- even uh, Cortland Sutton, three, yeah. four years out at that point with one good season and two new rookie classes now competing on depth charts. Like, do I think he's as safe? Pro- like, I know. I don't know. <laughs> Here's my point. And so I think I think we know less about what we would do if the season was cancelled than we maybe think we do. Oh, yeah. Oh, and oh, my God. Could you imagine if there was a canceled season? I mean, you imagine college football won't be going either, and they're not going to let these guys go back to school. How much of this rookie class is just going to get ridiculously out of shape and out of football shape? Right. And uh, and just not be good anymore. This this could be this could go from a historically great class to just a horrific class in like in a year. I mean, it's because we had to wait a year with no football. (laughs) <laughs> there, you go. there you go that's something we don't just i don't think this is a historically great class um well i think it, i think it is in part in places um no nah, no nah, don't back away now don't back away. I, god i'm <laughs> squinting like i'm staring at the sun sorry i've got my light off because i'm tired of looking at people like this <laughs> i could turn it on for videos so people can actually see me um and and not the dankness of my my basement dwelling room but um, like it's really hard to stare at. That's just, sorry. It's just because I'm uh, yeah. recently woken up. People think I don't sleep. I just sleep at weird times. Yeah, I don't actually <laughs> have a webcam right now. It's probably a good thing because I need to clean this place up. But <laughs> no, man, I was looking forward to seeing you. Like it's nice to connect to a, a person, a physical, like I'm visual, um, to the guy I've been arguing with online for like five years now, three years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. No, we do largely agree, and it's a problem. But um, we could uh, we could easily go over the free agent class. I mean, that was I free agent signings are always fun, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, no them as well. And um, but yeah, if you want to, I talk about it. I will gladly, as you know, share an opinion on absolutely anything, whether I know it or not. And um, but yeah, I really don't think this is a historical class. I I think everyone's been expecting 2014. For 2020, since nine, 2018, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I don't think it's here. Um, I think I see an awful lot of flaw. Um, and to be fair, like I don't know how you feel about your comp sheet. Um, maybe we should start there. Like we prospect a little differently. You're a little more dedicated to the data than I am. I like to step away from it at a certain point and try and make an make a narrative. Frankly, mm-hmm. whereas you are. Um, uh, bloodthirsty about your comp sheet, you you will you will accept no arguments that Henry Ruggs is good, right? Um, and that's actually not even so much the comp sheet, so much as just historical success rates. Um, but uh, and it's, it's it's just really bad when you don't ever break out. It's just it's literally like I go through player profilers database, and I know it's not gonna quite match yours. But I think it's pretty close to the same number for you. But it's like it's a two percent success rate, um, and for non-breakout wide receivers, and that's a uh, that's staggering. And then the fact that none of them were drafted um, is even more mind-boggling. So uh, I mean, yeah, it, it obviously obviously high draft capital helps them. I mean, we, we just because there hasn't been a success when there's only been four top three round picks in that database with, uh, without a breakout age doesn't mean that it's not a good thing to be a high draft pick. 
But even if you adjust that, what are you adjusting it to? 8%, 10%? And you're not going to bring that up to 50-50 coin flip. I mean, it, it, he's, he's a really bad shot. It's just, uh, um, and yeah, maybe he's an outlier, uh, but, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put money on it. I mean, even, even if, if you like rugs, you really gotta like rugs or there isn't, it's just not a safe bet. They get drafted though. Yeah, I mean, he'll definitely get drafted. I, I got I got a bet out there with someone. I already forget who that he does not get drafted in the first though. He just doesn't. He doesn't look like a first round pick. Not when you put him See, on paper. Um, I'm willing to believe that he'll get drafted in the first round. That's with and and uh, no, what I meant is like players that didn't break out. Do you said they don't get drafted? They they get drafted. McCall Hardman never broke out. Terry McClellan never broke out. I've got a list here. Um, Ray Ray one. McLeod. <laughs> Ray Ray McLeod from 2018. Everyone remembers him. Well, it's not uh, that they don't Gaze, get drafted. Damian Sorry. Ratley. None of them that succeeded got drafted. Let me rephrase that. It's my bad. Um, as far as a top 24 season, Tyreek Hill does not count. He broke out. He just broke out of a different position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The ones that break out. Oh, have good seasons in the NFL are usually Tyreek Hills. Like he didn't play. <laughs> he didn't yeah. play enough in college. Cecil yeah. Shorts, though, apparently, um I don't have oh no, no, I just don't have data on him. Julian Edelman. <laughs> he played quarterback. Um, yep. yeah, that's the thing. Um <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. Um I looked at um players that were wide receiver threes on in their last year. And by that, I simply mean he got the third most yards on Makes his sense. team, okay? Because, um, you know, what is a wide receiver? Th- that's, that term seems to trigger people. Like, he's not a wide receiver three. No, he was literally a wide receiver three yeah. on his team, if you use that definition. And um, the third most yards on his team in his last year, and every year, but um, the only guy I can find that uh, had a fantasy relevance as a wide receiver three on his team, or or later, like three, four, five, six, whichever way they ranked on their team, and then had fantasy significance in the from the last year in college, and was uh, who was it? Eddie Royal. <laughs> That's no one's idea of an upside comp. Um, I mean Adam Humphreys has to hit that mark too, right? I would assume. Actually, I think he was fourth on his team. But Adam Humphreys probably has that mark too. Um, out of curiosity, on when you did your uh, uh, teammate score, mm-hmm. how high is he? Yeah, it's wide receiver four. Um, it's a good question. You know, um, Clemson in those years is one of the examples. I did went go through it. Um, let's see, his teammate score was two point eight. So in his last yeah. year, his teammates were creating the top three players on the team. Which was not Humphreys, and um, with two point eight over the conference average, I've really got to work on that. But I hate, I hate modifying metrics the same year that I make them. You know what I mean? Yeah, you kind of want to test them out for a bit first. Yeah, let let them sit a while. Otherwise, you're just constantly editing shit. Because um, I was trying to find a way of removing the player themselves, but then you've got an Adam Humphreys that isn't even included in that top. It's just. It's a tricky little formula to write in some ways. So instead, it's just the average of the top three above conference average. And yeah, yeah. he's around 2.8. Um, like, let's see. I ran in the I, same thing like, when I was doing my version, by the way. It, it was, I had a, I had a couple of guys that um, I was subtracting a number out for when they weren't included in the number <laughs> because they were too far down the depth chart. Yeah, so, that's yeah, a good exactly point. You mean. You've got like um, DJ Moore, for example. He's got one of the higher teammate scores that isn't just getting fucked by conference level, frankly. Um, but it's all him. Like the wide receiver two wasn't doing nothing. It just happens that he has a fifty-three dominator <laughs> in his last year, right. and like, yeah, he he alone was beating the conference average by about nine percent. And Demarius Thomas, same story. <laughs> And Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman are right up there, um, but that makes sense because they were both on the same depth chart and exceeding conference averages by um, a great deal. And so them being up there, eight point nine percent is one of the highest scores they've got. 
Um, and that makes sense because they were both doing it. They were wide receiver one and two the last two years. So in their last last year, 2019, yeah, they they were incredibly high. Um, the uh, one that I trust more recently because it's not so exorbitant is like uh, Odo Beckham and Jarvis Landry. That's like 5% above average. And that seems to be, and that, since that's the one instance I know where two high caliber NFL players were playing on the same depth chart in the same year in their last season. Um, five percent seems like really significant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then you get to Corey Davis again, and that's all him. That's not the rest of his team. <laughs> um, Cortland Sutton, same thing. Which is uh, so I don't have a way of separating out which of these is Corey Davis and which of these um, and DJ Moore and which of these is the Tyler Johnson. Um, what what do you think of Tyler Johnson by now? Uh, I really just want to know where he's going to get drafted. It seems like. The tape community is a heck of a lot lower than the analytics community on them, and uh, um, you know we're 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 a lot more blind than they are without having draft capital. Um, so he looks like an outstanding prospect. I just have absolutely no idea. I mean, it, it, there's going to be such a difference between if he goes in the second round or if he goes in the four, fourth round. But he his his prospect profile is through the roof. If he's a second round pick, uh, my com sheet's gonna put him against some of the best ever. So yeah, that's um kind of where like the, we no one knows, <laughs> no one knows apart from NFL front offices apparently who all know something. <laughs> um, that Tyler Johnson's got something there that we don't know about. And um, but that brings me back a little bit to rugs like. As dedicated as you are to data, you kind of just have to believe something at a certain point, right? Yeah. Like, um, there has to be something. I do think there has to be something. Maybe they're just wrong, but there's a reason to like Henry Ruggs. Uh, good old Harriet Ruggs. And um, that's that's kind of where I step away from it. When the, the conversation doesn't meet, what we think of them or what typically works like people things that look weird the nfl doesn't like weird but if it looks weird to fantasy but it makes sense to the nfl i start to look suspicious at it mostly i'm gonna fade it because i i, I want to beat the nfl draft otherwise there's really no point in playing yeah but when there's that big of a disparity you want to you try to shift you try to shift your thinking a little bit yeah I, um, at least look for it right well my my comp sheet, actually, the or last last year's comp sheet, um, I put Henry Ruggs into it, and while it's far from good, it's uh, it's better. It's exceptionally better than the odds I'm giving them. <laughs> um, and I often right. say it's smarter than I am, and I, I think uh, some of that lies to what you're talking about. You know, you say I'm so focused on the data. Um, I put a pretty to... broad, I put a pretty broad uh, uh gap or uh. Uh, leeway room in right. in the comps when I do it so that it filters down and can catch some of that um, and I think it might actually be seeing some of that there because on the high end he's in the um, on the DR one standard deviation up is in the 20s in the in the mid 20s so it's catching guys that have had NFL success that look like him in all the other ways too um, and I'm trying to find right now some of the names I just uh, let's see, Chris Rubin, oh, Rugs. Um, let's see. I mean, it actually it actually pulled Santana Moss for one. Mike Wallace. Um, we got Travis Benjamin in here. Of course, it pulled McCole Hardman. I mean, it had to pull him. Um, not to use a success yet, but a lot of people are projecting him to be a. He's definitely not had success yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Darius Slayton's on here. So, I mean, the high end on this uh, on this list is actually not bad. Um, I just look at him more like Colby Lissenby than I do, uh, <laughs> than I do those guys. <laughs> um, he's just – his profile is just that low. Um, Maybe Travis Benjamin. Travis Benjamin's actually not an awful comp for him, I don't think. But uh, 
it, there is leeway there, and it does say on the high end he has a shot at success in the NFL, um, which the statistical odds historically say otherwise. But yeah, I don't want to get lost in the the the, the Herbert Rogues weeds too much. It's just <laughs> a place to maybe argue. Um, what do you think of? Uh, and like I say, I'll talk about anyone. I'm just kind of throwing out names, see what happens. Um, KJ Hamler, he's someone I don't get a lot of content on, but I, I really want other opinions. So I'm starting to like him a lot. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I actually, why have I not been watching this guy more? Um, I don't know. You, right? You're about to give, uh, you're about, you're trying to give BMI Twitter a heart attack, though, going like Hamler. <laughs> this year, man. <laughs> this is a very. This is a very light wide receiver class. That's almost the best way to describe them. They're all tiny. I think that's a, sort of a trend. We've uh, um, I've, I've talked before on Twitter about the fact that we uh, we see a progression in the NFL, and we've we've seen it flip. I think twice already, where wide receivers get bigger as corners get smaller and faster, and then corners switch and start getting bigger again, keep up with these big bodies, and wide receivers transition smaller again against it um we've after the seahawks big run the league started tradition um transitioning to large corners again big bodied corners um and so now we're getting a lot of smaller wide receivers um who those guys can't necessarily keep up with um aren't necessarily as agile as aren't necessarily as fast as and uh i know height and long speed often correlate but that's distance running. There isn't a ton of that on the football field. Um, and, uh, and you, you do see that transition. Uh, if you go look at league average size for the two positions over the last hundred years, you can see it flip like twice already in the past. Um, I'm trying to remember who I saw that from. I want to say it was a football guy's article, but I can't swear to that. <laughs> and then I started looking at it myself afterwards. Um, but I really like KJ Hamler. Just looking at his profile, uh, I mean, his college dominator isn't exceptional, but it's at a super young age. Um, it's well above the, the age adjusted marks I want for him. Um, I like the fact he did a lot of returning. Um, that's that's actually something that matters at the NFL level. Um, a return a guys that returned a lot in the NFL tend to be tend to succeed more often. Uh, I don't really haven't found a way to incorporate that into my metrics yet, but it's something I glance at when I look at their college profile. Um, so yeah, he's he's someone I'm going to be keeping an eye on now. I wish I had been paying attention earlier. Yeah, sorry. Um, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, which part? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> I stepped away to go deal with my dogs again, so honestly, uh, missed it. Okay. It sounds like you liked him, though. And yeah. And we recorded it, so I'll hear it later. Um, <laughs> so what did the comp sheet just, uh, what did it spit out? Did they have a comp for Hamler? Oh, it would take me about 10 minutes to throw him in the comp sheet. So I didn't do oh, that. Okay. Um, however, uh, I just went over his individual parts. I mean, he, he, yeah, uh, he didn't have an exceptional DR, but it was at such a young age that it, it is exceptional. Um, That's what I was going to say. It's age-adjusted that makes these guys trigger my model. So, all right. Um, I, I, I can guess some of the things he said, I guess. Um, yeah, like he only played those two years, but those two years he played at a really important age, between eight, 19 and 20. He was above average. Well, he was definitely above average at 19 for his age. He was right on the average at um, 20, which is really good. Like being uh, being. At the average, for example, is good NFL players, which is a really high mark to hit in college because most good NFL players are exceptionally good in college. Um, the average is a little fairer because it pulls in those that didn't do too well at those ages as well. Like I say, it's been fairly successful for him. So he's got a really good production score based on his age. Um, and his size doesn't scare me because we always go to the same place with size. You know, Like you were saying, it goes up and down over the generations. It's interesting to hear you describe it that way. Like, I'm always, 
against believing in a recent trend, like Odell Beckham is small, so now wide receivers are small. But like when I dig back <laughs> through the history, I can't really find a time where they were all big. But it is interesting to hear you talk about how the cornerback and wide receiver matchups go up and down. That's like I think it's going to switch before we see that it might switch. So it's a little tenuous to believe in, but I do think players could be good at all different sizes, right? They could just that's oh just, yeah. I don't think the size makes them good or bad. It's no, just the way it's, they play it's at a that trend. size. Trend. It's a trend, but it's definitely. I mean, and like you said, it's really actually hard to perceive just watching the game because it. You still have. I mean, the the field is what averages. Um, you still have players on both sides of the spectrum that come and succeed because good football players are going to succeed. Um, but you see, you do see that overall trend exists if you look at the long data on the um, on on the average. At least uh, that's what I recall from when I looked at it two years ago. But <laughs> so. I'd have to pull it up again to swear by it. But yes, if I recall correctly, they, they swapped the blue twice already. And you can see the size change um, over a long period of time. It's just, you're definitely not going to see it year to year. It's just, it's too small of a change. Right. Um, um, no, I agree with that. And I agree with trying to know it, even if you're not going to adjust for it. You just try and know it. Because um, it's, like I say, I think it's going to shift too quickly. Um, all right, so here's my like, I this is a guy I definitely think this is a guy. Oh my god, I said it, I said this is a guy. Um, <laughs> KJ Hammer is a person I definitely think should have spiked up in at least the commentary around this class more, and that goes a little bit to the dearth. I'm not gonna say depth because everyone says depth, the girth or the dearth of this class. There's a lot of mid range potential in here. Which could have higher or lower ceilings. Like I said, my my personal research has yielded that production is rarely it's it's fairly limited in terms of its ability to project ceiling, but it can project oh, yeah. likelihood of success. So I think Hamler is someone that really should be popping. Um now having said that, like this is a really good profile, you should check him out if you haven't. The thing that I know about Hamler is while my average adjust for good NFL players. All those good NFL players came from different conferences. And while I largely poo-poo, scoff at even, actively scoff at people who worry about competition level, and um, one thing I do know is that the the Big Ten, the wide receiver one in the Big Ten, and Hamlet was a wide receiver one for his team, the average for that conference, and the conference is different to the top to the bottom of the conference, obviously, but... Um, is actually around 27%, which is a clear 1% to 2% higher than all but the Big 12 in the Power 5 conferences. And so what I'm essentially saying is they they do tend to average a little more market share. Now, a potential saving grace is that Hamlow is at 27% at 19, which again was above average for his age. He was right at conference level for a wide receiver one. And at 20, he was at 31% in terms of receiving yards. And so he beat the conference average significantly there as well. Um, but I don't have a great way of merging those two ways of looking at his production yet. If you know what I mean? He's very productive based on his age. He was productive based on his conference level as well. But I don't know how... If Sometimes when you merge those things, they actually come out below looking less good. But, um, but Hamlet's definitely someone we should be hearing more about. And I don't hear anything about him. Like... Um, Which is worrisome. Addison Hayes, Addison Hayes really likes him, but he's he's a Penn State fan, so <laughs> literally. Um, but he was really efficient. Yards per team pass attempt was at one point seven um, yards per team pass attempt, and then two point which is really significant. And um, when you look at historical comparisons as well, um, actually is at two point one and two point five yards per team pass attempt. Um, but he was at yeah. 1.7 and 2 above team average, which is even more significant. He was significantly more efficient per team touch than anyone else on his team. Like huh. um, that, that two mark in that above team average in yards per team pass attempt. I've got to come up with a name for that, by the way. It's like it shouldn't take you a week to explain what statistic you're talking about. <laughs> right. But um, 
it's actually really significant when you look at like players with top 24 seasons, like even, even like the Robert Woodses of the world. I was going to ask you because that that, that's a new one that's blowing up right now. Like a lot of guys uh, that we interact with are starting to use that. Um, and I haven't played with it yet. Um, I, I don't know if it was you or one of the other guys that actually came up with it, but no, I mean, me. it, it wasn't you. No, um, Anthony Amico is the first one I think I heard talking about it. JJ Zacharyson's a big proponent as well. Yeah. Um, as a stat, it's more predictive without doing anything to it um, than market share. I think I can get market share as predictive, <laughs> but you have to work on it. If you just want to look at a singular stat to explain who they were in college, as per team pass attempt is better, definitely. And And that yeah. probably means if we work on it, we can make it a little better than market share, but right now we're not later. I don't think. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I, I've been seeing it blow up, and I haven't had a chance to work with it yet. I just saw that a lot of people seem to be liking it. But well, that's a, that's I've also thing. seen like, that I'm not before. At... It's funny because I made the comp sheets kind of just to see what – I mean, just like, you know, similar players. I didn't think it was going to be much of anything for me when I did it. Um, I'm like, man, like three-quarters of these stats aren't even predictive. They're just descriptive. Like, um, like wide receivers have literally two stats. Two of the five filters are predictive. You know, these are just descriptive. Like, this is going to be garbage. Um, and I kept doing it and realizing what it was doing is it was generating player buckets. Um, and it was doing a much better job than I was just looking at a player. Um, and not every time, but usually. I mean, it basically generates a bucket that the player fits in, and that bucket has its own success rate. Um, and uh, it, once I started realizing that, yeah, it became kind of my my holy grail. It's far from perfect, but uh, and it really works best on wide receivers right now. Um, the other comp sheets are kind of a joke, to be honest. But wide receivers, it, it does an outstanding job with. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm working on fine tuning it so I can show exactly how good a job it does. Like I'm trying to do uh tightness of cohort so that it shows how close the comps are to the original player. And, uh, and then the success rate of that cohort, um, and points per game average. One of the main, um, so something I do want to talk about from this year's class, maybe this is a thing we'll have an episode on. And I'm going to keep you here, by the way. This is a thing I have to look forward to today. So, <laughs> like, you're here, dial in. Um, this draft class, and especially looking at the success rates of our ability to predict who's the best player, um, like, is there a reason to take a wide receiver in the first round for Dynasty? Probably not. I mean, there's just enough guys, and I don't think that. Um, I, I think I think there's enough in the same talent pool, um, that it should push the position position down further. Um, I thought it was ridiculous when they were talking about how many wide receivers when they go early. Um, I think I mentioned to someone that the, what was it like twenty or something? Someone was predicting, and. Uh, uh, I was talking about the economics of that, and like basically, you'd have to have the greatest draft class ever. So yeah, I don't think that uh, in this class you should necessarily get wide receiver in the first round. I think teams don't care and will anyway. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I think I think draft capital, if we're thinking from an economics viewpoint, it should be lower. No, I didn't mean for the NFL. Although that's a really interesting opinion. I mean us. In our rookie dress, I don't know mm. if we should draft wide receivers. Um, we here's what's been going around in my head. It's actually important for you to decide if you think this is 2014 or not. Like we joke around with it, uh, no class is 2014. But if it if that's a potential for you, if you love this class that much, still you you go wide receiver and you go wide receiver heavy. Because if this is a wide receiver class, that's when you do it. Dynasty, you know, just basic theory. If the if this is a year where all the upside, the players are wide receiver, you don't want to quibble over positional value and hit rates. You just want to go for those wide receivers. Now, the important note on that is the wide receivers, not ADP. Because yeah. 
historically the wide receiver one ADP wise sucks, but there are good wide receivers in every class. Right. The problem is we get about three on average for a class, and that includes 2010 and 2014, where there were seven. They get a top 24 season, so that average is actually a little lower on a per draft basis. And um, if you take out like the spike years, but we shouldn't do that for Dynasty theory wise, you should almost always lean running back early in the first round because we get wide receivers at the top wrong so often. And um, however, I think most of us that like dynasty and like wide receivers or drafting wide receivers early, I think we have a contrary nature. And if that's the case, then it's okay to go wide receiver because you don't take the consensus ADP. You take T.Y. Hilton and Stefan Diggs before anyone else thinks you should. But that also means you're giving up value, dynasty theory, which means you should probably trade back to get those players. So that's just the overview of what I'm talking about here, that running back is like an insanely higher hit rate per ADP compared to wide receiver. Yeah. But we should be free, therefore, to take your shots at wide receiver a lot more than at running back. You should believe ADP at running back a lot more than wide receiver. Take that a step further into this year's class. If this is a 2014-2010 occurrence <laughs> where the wide receivers in the class are what you want, the running backs are going to be kind of meh, which is still good for positional value because running backs in the top 24 are valuable. But like we'll get the running backs in this class a lot more right year one and year two than we will the wide receivers. That's true. That's, oh, that's yeah. going to be true. If you think we, get, we have a shot at getting these wide receivers right, it's nothing compared to a running back accuracy since 2013, since we were tracking DLF ADP. So um, when I look at this, because I don't think I see, but I could be wrong, because predicting upside, again, is where the production is weakest. Likelihood of success, there's a lot of dearth of it. I don't see a lot of upside, but it's also weak at doing that. But the players in round two range, Denzel Mims, Jalen Ragor, um, KJ Hamler, who we talked about, I could arguably see a top 12 upside from them. So I prefer the wide receivers in the round two range and running backs in round one. And that's why it's actually important to me whether anyone sees 2014 in this class, because I don't think... I almost want to segue, just because I have interesting topic, but I want, I want to stick to this first here. I think, uh, first of all, that uh, 2014 looked like we had some seriously exceptional talent at the top. Like you said, we're really not actually good at forecasting that. Uh, we ended up being right about that class to some extent, but uh, um, it, it, we're really bad at forecasting ceilings. Um, this class looks very, very has, has a lot of very strong players, even if none of them quite show that same league-breaking look on the on the surface. Um, so, like you said, a lot of floory guys. Um, you're actually making me reconsider my draft strategy for this year right now. Talking about that, um, because I do think that a lot of the guys that will go round one are guys that I'm not gonna like anyway. So why am I why am I not waiting until round two and drafting the guys I'm gonna like? Um, like Judy, I'm never gonna take Judy before someone else in my league will. It's just not going to happen. I don't hate Judy. It's just, um, I, it was uh, um, like last year uh, with Metcalf. I, I didn't hate Metcalf. Like, I didn't dislike him like uh, most of the data colleagues did because I'm not age adjusting or I'm not a uh, game adjusting or I am game adjusting. Sorry. But uh, I, I also was never going to get a shot at him because film guys are going to love him too much. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, and that's going to be Judy for me. I'm just not going to like him enough to grab him ever. Uh, and the second round guys look great. So yeah, I think uh, I think I'd probably wait even if I thought there was, even if I think this this class is going to give us a couple top level wide receivers. I have no idea who the heck it's going to be out of these ten guys that we're going to have that all look good. Um, so yeah, I'd rather take my shots there and, uh, and focus on the more predictable running backs. <laughs> uh, and it, it'll be interesting to see. I definitely think it's got a shot at being one of the great classes just because we have such a large pool to draw from for potential elites. 
we have such a large, good caliber player pool. Who do you want to talk about, man? What do you want to talk about? Talk well, about... I asked about the XFL because of P.J. Walker, the okay. quarterback. No, um, I didn't. So he's a quarterback. Absolutely lit up the XFL. Now he was he was uh, I think he was only a practice squad guy before in the NFL, but uh, young guy. Um, come on, PJ Walker, PFR, um, Philip Walker. Oh, Philip Walker. Um, yeah, he uh, 2017 Colts. Basically moved him around from practice squad to uh, cut, practice squad to cut all the way to the XFL. Um, so we never saw the field, but in the XFL he lit the world on fire. Looked like the greatest thing ever. <laughs> like and just absolute stud quarterback play on every game that they had, and the Panthers signed. I was going to um, say, is that the guy that just got signed? I saw someone from got signed from the XFL. And uh, it's interesting because I I honestly would tell you right now, I, I think the guy's far better than Kyle Allen is. Um, so if Teddy reverts, gets injured, struggles, suddenly this guy could just come out of nowhere. And, uh, and he might actually be good. Um, it's really hard to say with that level of competition in the XFL. But I mean, he was by far the best quarterback in the XFL. It wasn't even close. And there are former NFL quarterbacks in the XFL. So it's uh, it was interesting to see that. And I, I, I'm really curious what happens there in Carolina with him. I mean, if he's good, he might show up. And uh, we could see him on the field sooner or later with Teddy's history. It's going to happen at some point. I don't know if this is a guy. I don't know anything about him. But, like, it's... It's basically it could end up being like a minor league for the NFL, right? That's part of the idea. Part of the idea of what well, could happen. That's not what I mean. That was more of the AF idea than what the XFL wants. But it's going. Oh to yeah, the like XFL that. wants to destroy the NFL, but it'll never happen. But yeah. <laughs> I don't think it will happen. I mean, it could. And the NFL's, you know, it's got its detractors, and more than enough people willing to jump ship. But um. I think at least, or the way to sustainability for the XFL, at a guess, is providing players this opportunity to make the jump into the NFL that they weren't before by getting experience, by getting reps, by getting practice. Um, and frankly, what's probably a better than a college level, because at least all these guys are fully grown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And there's a, and they're offering decent money to quarterbacks. They're offering more than practice squad mm-hmm. anyway. Which is uh, which is nice. I mean, they're they're drawing. That's why there was actually a. That's why he was there, and a couple of other guys were there. So they were offering more than practice squad money. Um, so it's a uh, XFL could last for that reason alone. Um, because he, there's nothing worse than just horrific quarterback play. So <laughs> if you steal, you steal low level NFL talent. At the quarterback position, it's still not going to be NFL caliber football, but at least it's worth watching. <laughs> um, like it, it, with the the corners you're facing aren't NFL caliber either, so I mean he, these guys can actually have a chance to succeed at that level. Is it worth watching? Is it like worth? Oh, it was fun, man! It was a lot of fun to watch. It's uh, it, it's definitely sloppy football compared to the NFL, but it was uh. It was a lot of fun to watch. All the rule changes are really fun. What are some of the rule changes? I honestly don't even know. Um, so kickoffs are one of the big ones. So yeah, I've heard that. How are they different? So they, uh, uh, you're penalized basically if you kick it out of bounds, um, and uh, and the lines cannot move until um, until the uh, returner catches the ball. And uh, and I, I'm trying to think. If, if you kick the ball out of bounds on the sidelines, I think you start at the. I think they, uh, the opposing team starts at like the 45. Might even be your 45. Forget now. It only happens like once. Um, they uh, they have a one, two, and three point conversion. All of them are a play. All of them are an actual play. No kick. No, um, no extra point kick. 
Um, they uh, they do something to penalize punts too, so they they really force you to try and go for it on fourth down. Hmm. There's a bunch of stuff that just it, it makes for an exciting game of football. It really does. Oh, and uh, clock stops on every play on in the uh, last two minutes, so like you don't have to worry about getting out of bounds or any of that nonsense. nonsense. Clock automatically stops. Huh, yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, again, not great football yet. Hopefully, it gets better. But uh, it was uh, it was definitely entertaining football. Do you think there's some value to that? It being less pretty football because if you're trying to learn what looks good, right? And like I said, I don't know if you mean it. Trying to compare college play to the NFL play. You've got players at a variety of different points in their career, and that's not that is true in the NFL. That is true in the XFL, but at least they're fully grown. You've not got people learning their bodies literally oh, to yeah. a certain extent, and at least presumably they have all played the positions significantly. And that's like you've got a whole bunch of variables going on in college football that I don't think you would have in an XFL league. You've got other ones going in the next FL league that don't go on in college as well, but I think the more sustainable <laughs> prediction was. Uh, and we'll similar see. for watching, like you can't understand what good looks like if you don't understand what bad looks like. Well, it's like underrating Philip Dorsett as a player. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's not he's he's not Julio. He's not he's not Colin Sutton, but he's a remarkable player to get in the NFL and do what he's done. So oh, yeah. being able to compare that to something like the XFL might provide a lot of value. When looking at production or analytics and also looking at tape, you think it might provide that kind of, this is what it looks like when not, not like there's hardly anyone on the team that's perfect. So you get yeah. to see that low end. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. You definitely get a good look, at, um, especially on offensive line play. That was probably one of the biggest gaps there. Ooh. You you start to really see the difference in offensive line play when you start watching a league like the XFL. Um, I don't think I don't I don't think a single pocket passer was surviving there. Really, I mean, you had to have some mobile functional mobility, or you were dead in the XFL. Right. <laughs> it was a uh, it was a joke, like how bad the offensive line play was compared to the defensive line play, for instance. Um, so it was uh that was fun. But yeah, you can definitely there's definitely value there. As far as the fully grown thing, it just occurred to me that that may not stay that way cuz the XFL is actually talking about poaching uh college, college kids before they're eligible for the draft. <laughs> like that's another way it can succeed because <laughs> the draft is the only people that get ripped off with a draft are honestly seem to be the players. Yep. I don't think it gives them a decent shot. Especially with what we're talking about with running back talent right now. Like you get locked into a rookie contract in the first round, that's only bad for 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 the running back. Because by the time you get out of that contract, like uh, like we're seeing right now, the NFL's kinda already done with you. <laughs> so yeah. that second contract bump really doesn't exist at running back right now. No. And to be fair, I mean, the rookie, uh, I mean, I, I don't know necessarily if they'd get more money if there wasn't the rookie contract in place, though, because we are devaluing the position as a whole now. That's and, fair. That's and fair. the top top running back contracts are, a lot of them are rookies. I mean, rookie deal, first-round rookie deals are not chump chains for running backs anymore. They're not chump chains, but like... They're not what Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon deserve. And I think if I'm a first-round running back and I can't get classified as a wide receiver looking at the NFL draft, if the XFL is ever in a position to say, look, we can't pay you as much, but we'll guarantee it for two years and you'll make twice what your rookie contract is, I start to get tempted because I can make a second contract after two years. That's true. You know what I mean? That's and maybe I could go. Yeah. Maybe I could go to the NFL after two years after they yeah. see me in the XFL. I'm still now young enough where my position has value. I'm going to make more than my rookie deal, and it's guaranteed. Like, that would be a big thing. Like, I don't know the XFL would do that, but there's a way, like, someone with actually good at business could probably find a way of making the NFL more tempting for first-round running, not just running backs, but first-round talent running backs. 
because of the way the position's going in the NFL right now. Well, we're a ways away from now. The exit. The pay grade for non QBs is still shit, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, if the, if the money starts coming in the XFL and they can start offering real player contracts, come, um, yeah, that would be that would be interesting. That would be the AFL all over again, basically. Um, and you know, we all we know how that worked out. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so. But yeah, the, uh, that'll be fun. Freaking, uh, we'll have we'll have the new Al Davises of the world offering brand new cars <laughs> and a lot as part of their signing bonuses and shit. <laughs> so yeah, it would uh, XFL. I, I hope it succeeds. I had a lot of fun with it. Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate you coming on. It's really great to get to talk to you for the first time in person. Um, could you let everyone know uh, where they can find you and what you're up to and where your work's at? Definitely. I'm at, uh, at Christopher Bean on Twitter. Um, I write for DFF Dynasty occasionally. Um, an amateur analytics nut here to tell you your favorite player is bad and this guy you never heard of is good. That's excellent. <laughs> um, thanks again, Chris. Uh, this was a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully we can do it again in the future. Thanks to everyone for listening. Um, really appreciate you guys. And I will talk to you again next time. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.